Growing up in, in Ecuador, for some reason, I don't know why, but I, I loved, when we came back to the U.S., I loved staying in hotels. And I know there's like the type of people out there, like where, where are the people out that, that you just love your own bed more than any other bed? Okay, where am I like, my room, my bed? Okay, where am I like adventurers, travelers, like you like to camp, you don't really, you're like, I don't care if it's my mattress, you like going on a hotel, whatever. Okay, so for me... For me, growing up, for whatever reason, like me and my siblings, we just loved staying in hotels. There's something about the, you know, every hotel has kind of like the funky carpet you know, that you, like every like the floor has the weird carpet and we would play games with like the different patterns. Of the, but every hotel has the, the hotel spiel that they give you at the front desk. You're checking in, they tell you about the continental breakfast. You know, they got those, those waffle machines that you turn and wait like a few minutes with a little cup of batter in there. They're just so good. And every hotel has the same spiel. They, they give you like the towels, to tell you about the gym and like when, what time breakfast is, here's your room key. It's always the same. And so I took my youth group a few years back down to uh, the Dominican Republic and we were staying down there and we were checking in our, at our hotel and it struck me, it was kind of funny that we were in a completely different part of the world and yet same hotel spiel. They're like, you know, here's breakfast, here's your room key. They're giving us the whole hotel spiel. And I'm like, oh, funny, like America, Dominican Republic, same spiel, different language, same spiel. And then right as we're about to leave with our room keys, uh, the, the lady, the front desk lady looks at us and she goes, oh, hey, by the way. I'm like, I turn back, I'm like, uh-huh. She's like, there's a field back behind the hotel. And in this field, the Dominican Republic was in a civil war not too long ago. And so in this field, there's still a bunch of landmines back there. So just, just a heads up, just be careful. And I'm like, I'm like walking away with my like, about to hand out all the room keys and I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry, did you say landmines? She's like, mm-hmm, enjoy your stay. I'm like, landmines and enjoy your stay should never be in the same sentence, like ever. I'm like, wait, wait, what? What do you mean landmines? She's like, you know, boom, landmines. I'm like, okay, um, youth pastors in the room, okay? Just like level with me for a second. There's a phone call that you never want to make to any parent ever, 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 ever. There's not enough evers out there. That's like, hello, Mrs. Wilson. Yeah, you know how Timmy used to have two legs, right? Like, he doesn't really need, like, that's a phone call you never want to make home, especially when you're in an international country. Like, you don't want to do that. So you know what I did? I turned to my crew and I go, hey, field back behind the hotel off limits. Like we're not going back there. If there's active landmines, we're not playing in it. Like that you just, you don't do that. And here's what struck me as crazy. Like in 2022 or whatever year this was, like 2016, 2017, like whatever year this was, it wouldn't be that hard to go back into that field with those metal detectors. You ever seen those, those people that are out like sweeping the beach or something looking for who, who knows what? And they got the like headphones on, right? And they got the metal detector. Like I feel like it wouldn't be that hard to just get a bunch of cones, just get like a big stack of orange cones and just start looking, just sweeping, just going like beep. Beep, beep, landmine right here, cone, 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 certain death, okay? And then looking like, landmine right here, cone, 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 death, okay? Right here, landmine right here. And then just, just sweep the whole field, and then you take a big step back from the field. Everywhere that there's cones, you go, don't go into the cones, 
certain death, okay? And it's like the rest of it, you're like, we're chilling, okay? The rest of it is open. The rest of it is complete. Like you just go, okay, ready? Ultimate, right? And you throw that disc because it, you're not gonna die if you avoid the landmines. Okay, but here's what's crazy. In 2022, we live in a day and age where freedom is defined as doing whatever I want, whenever I want, however I want, right? I want to be free to do what I want to do whenever I want to do it, however I want to do it. But freedom on that field would lead to what? Death or loss of limb, okay? Like, it's not gonna go well. If I just say, hey, guys, crew, I grabbed my whole youth group together, and I'm like, y'all are free to play on that field. None of you would look at me and go, oh, he's such a good pastor, right? No, you'd be like, you're terrible. Like, you knew there were landmines. You knew there were things that would hurt them. You knew things that would lead to their death, and you just let them go. And I'm like, yeah, well, I wanted to give them freedom. That's not freedom, Right? Freedom would be to mark off all the cones and I would say, you're free to play in this field. I love you enough to tell you, if you go into those coned off areas, it's not going to go well for you. Hey, remember last night we left off with, I told you a little bit of my story. I said, I, I grew up believing that to be a Christian was to live this boring life, but I guess if I live a boring life for long enough, at the end of it, I get heaven, right? And all my friends that were having way more fun than I was, I'm like, well, you're having fun now. You kind of live up what the world has to offer. But I believe that there's this place called hell. And so I don't want to spend eternity in hell. And so I guess I'll choose boring now. Y'all, you, know you know what changed in my life? Is when I started diving into this book, the greatest story ever told that's hardly ever told in its entirety, Genesis to Revelation, 66 books 40 different authors written over a span of 2,000 years on three continents in three languages telling one story. And it's, it's, this book, it's incredible, and it can be summed up like this. Ready? If you're taking notes, write these three words down. This entire book can be summed up like this. God with us. God with us. The entire book. And what changed is I started viewing this book as what if it was the greatest story ever told about a God that loves us enough to tell us, hey, let me define life for you. What if all the rules, the commands, the way that God asks us to live, what if he designed life? Remember the three things we talked about last night? In the beginning, God created, which means that he pre-existed time. He was there at the beginning. He was there before anything else came, right? It also means that from him flowed all of creation. From him came all things, including truth itself. And then in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. Who else was in the beginning? Good. Homie woke up and went, Jesus. He was listening last night, okay? 98% of the time, you'll be accurate. You'll be, you'll, be, you'll be correct when I ask the question, okay? So Jesus preexisted. He was in the beginning with God. And we understand, what if there was a God who loved us enough to go, hey, friends, cone, cone, cone. If you go there, if you chase after that, it will lead to death. Right? God created us in such a way that we, we have this aching inside of us. Every single one of us desires to be fully known and to be fully loved and to be accepted and to be seen. And we chase after it in so many different ways. And there's a God in your Bible that goes, 
chase after me, God with us. He desires to be with us. And he will fulfill and he will satisfy and he is fully true. He is eternal. He always has been. He always will be. But he gives us a choice. And so I want you to open up. We started this story last night and we're going to finish it in Genesis chapter 3. We're going to jump around in our Bibles a little bit here, okay? So Genesis chapter 3. It's in the very beginning of your Bible. Just open up the front cover and then start like turn like three or four pages. You should be in Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, we found out last night, right, why is, we asked, we asked this question last night, why is truth complicated? Why is truth complicated? Why is it, why do we overthink it? And truth is complicated because our enemy is crafty. Okay, so you got Adam and Eve, they're in the garden, God created them, they're living in this perfect relationship with God, but here's the reality, God is love and forced love is not love at all. Does that make sense, right? Forced love is not love at all. If I, on uh, August 11th, 2018, uh, the day I married Paige, my wife, right, we got married down in Mexico. If I said, I do, and then we went on our honeymoon, and then we came home, and our first day back home, I handed Paige a, a binder, and it was just like a document that was full of every way, that I, in, with every detail of exactly how I wanted to be loved, and exactly how everything that she had to do, and if she didn't do these things, then she wasn't loving me. None of you would be like, Oh, you're so romantic. No, you'd be like, you're, that's a, you're a nightmare, right? Like, I'm so sorry, Paige. Like, that's not, that's not romance. It was like, here's a binder. Right? Make sure you study up. Like, here's all of the ways. Like, um, page 47, section B. Like, make sure you, you, know, you, you can read up on this one. None of you were like, what a romantic. Oh, it's cute, right? Like, no. It's like, you're psycho, okay? Like, if that's how, if that's not love, forced love is not love at all. And so when God places Adam and Eve in the garden, he gives them this choice, he says, I am love. You can exist in perfect relationship with me, but I'm gonna give you this choice to obey or not to obey, to return the love that I'm giving you or to not return that love that I'm giving to you. And so we see this enemy that's crafty and he looks at Eve uh, in, in Genesis chapter three and he said, did God really say? Remember these four words last night? Did God really say, you must not eat from any tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees and in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. Number, lie number two that our crafty enemy says, you will not certainly die, the serpent says to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you'll be like him, knowing good from evil. Hey, here's what, look up at me real quick. Here's what the, our crafty enemy is trying to get us to believe. What if God's holding out on you? It'd be as if you're playing on this field, you're, you're on the field, right, with all the cones, and then the enemy comes up to you and he goes, well, what do you think's inside those cones? And you're like, well, I don't know. We were just told not to go in them. Well, what if he's holding out on you? What if there's more to be experienced? All you've seen is the unconed field. What if you just tried it out? And she goes, well, if we go in there, we're going to die, landmines. And he goes, you're not going to die. And what's he doing? It's a clever twist of the truth. Hey, when sin entered into the picture, did Adam and Eve die immediately? No. Right? They weren't like struck by lightning. Right? If, you, if you were struck by lightning the moment you sinned, right, us youth pastors would have like the world's easiest job. Right? You'd be like at church, and then like Timmy would tell a lie, and it would just be like, zzz, and be like, 
told you not to lie, right? And so the enemy's going, you're not going to die immediately, right? What's he saying? He's like, you're not going to die right now. It might bring spiritual death. It might bring separation. It might bring an eternal death, but you're not going to die right now. It's this crafty, clever twisting of the truth. And Adam, Eve buys into the lie. What if he's holding out on me? And Adam and Eve, they take of the apple of the tree of good and evil. They eat it. Their eyes are opened. God's walking in the garden. And he says, where are you to Adam and Eve? And I love this question. Why? Why do I love this question? How many of you have siblings? Hey, siblings. Okay, you ever like done something to your sibling when your parents weren't looking and then your parents walked into the room and they asked you a very specific question about what you did? Okay, right? Like this is the moment where like you're, you're I don't know, eating spaghetti. Weird example, okay? You're like eating spaghetti and with your hands, and then you're just like, nom, 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 spaghetti, I love it. And, and then all of a sudden, your sibling makes you mad, and with your like spaghetti hands, you just like open hands, smack your sibling across the face. And they got like, they got like a marinara print, okay? Like on the side of their face. And your mom walks in the room, your mom walks in the room and she's like, did you hit your brother? What's she asking? She's not asking, did you hit your brother? It's like your, your, your handprint is literally on his face. Your mom's not dumb. She's going, did you hit your brother? She's asking, it's a relational question. Right? And I love this moment where God, God walks in the garden after Adam and Eve when sin first enters into the picture. And this is my favorite definition of sin of all time. My favorite definition of sin is this. It's an unwillingness to believe that what God has for us is actually our deepest happiness. And when Adam and Eve first sin, God enters in and he goes, where are you? Why? Because God desires to be with us. The entire Bible can be summarized like this, God with us. Where are you? It's this relational cry. Okay, friends, if he's the God of the universe, you think he lost Adam and Eve? You think he was like, Shoot, I left them right here. No, he didn't lose Adam and Eve. He wasn't like, well, I guess I gotta start over again, another garden, right? Like, no, he didn't lose them. He's going, hey, where are you? We were existing in this perfect relationship. What happened? Why? God with us. Okay, read this with me. End of chapter three. Uh, verse 13. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will, you will eat dust all the days of your life. Okay, pause real quick, look up at me. Hey, the fact that he looks at a snake and says, you will crawl on your belly, <laughs> makes me believe that snakes weren't crawling on their belly before. Okay, so if you're having a hard day and you don't know what to be thankful for, like if you're struggling with gratitude, just shoot up a quick thankful prayer that like snakes don't walk around anymore, okay? Like I live, I live in Fallbrook, which is like kind of out in the sticks, and there's like we got rattlesnakes and stuff, and rattlesnakes are already terrifying enough, okay? Like the, when you hear the rattle, like the slithering is just creepy, right? Imagine if a snake was just like waltzing out or like on legs, just like walking, I don't know, was it like a centipede situation? Was there like a hundred legs? And they're just like sprinting at you and you're like, ah, right? Like, I don't know, I don't know what they looked like before, but this is like, like anytime I run out of great gratitude things, I just go like, hey Lord, 
thank you that snakes crawl now, okay? Like that's side blessing, okay? Let's keep reading. Cursed are you above all wild uh, animals. You'll crawl on your belly. You'll eat dust the rest of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between her offspring and yours. Okay, underline this verse in your Bible. Verse 15. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Okay, this verse right here, Genesis chapter three, verse 15, is the first gospel in your Bible. And we talked about this last night. I'm gonna need your participation here, okay? The word gospel means? Weak sauce, okay? Come on, the word gospel means? Good news, good, Good. okay? If you have good news to tell me and you walk up to me and you say this, hey, Austin, I got some good news for you. Guess what I don't wanna hear? Your good news, okay? Like, if you tell me that you have good news for me, but you tell me like this, I got some good news. I'm like, ugh. I, I, I don't want it. <laughs> like, I, uh, you can keep it. I, I'm not interested. Okay? But, but it, friends, when we become familiar with the Bible, when we com- become familiar with God, when we become familiar with Jesus, when we become familiar with good news, sometimes we approach Christianity and God like, good news, Friends, Genesis chapter three, verse 15, in the middle of chaos, sin has just entered into the picture. There is a separation between God and man, and God, because he desires to be with us, says, I'm going to give them the first gospel here. Hey, in the book of Exodus, we see God rescue his people from darkness and from slavery, and then he brings them out into the desert, and there's this thing called the tabernacle, which is basically like a tent that God dwells in the middle of his people. He gives them these specific instructions to set up a tent and says, I wanna be with my people. Why? Because the entire Bible can be summarized like this. God with us. So the tabernacle is God going, I wanna be with my people. I'm not just this distant deliverer. I'm a present and faithful companion. And then we see in John chapter one, okay, turn there with me. John chapter one. And there's so many different examples in your Old Testament that I could bore you for the next like three hours. I could be like, okay, buckle up, right? And like three of us would be like, oh, this is awesome. The rest of us would be like, can I please go play dodgeball, please, okay? But there's so many examples. There's so many moments in the Old Testament where God proves this over and over and over and over and over and over again, that God desires to be with us. But I wanna fast forward and I wanna pick up where uh, the drama showed us this morning. Remember the shaggy sheepdog? Remember, he walked down here, you got the like shaggy old mop drop, right? And then you got the, the purebreds up here going like, ew, fleas, okay? And then you got the, the shaggy dog, who the shaggy dog represents who in the story? John the Baptist, good, okay? He's the other buddy, okay? And you, we get this story of John the Baptist, okay? John the Baptist, read with me in John chapter one, verse six, okay? If you're there, say preach. Preach. Boom. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify concerning the light so that through him all might believe. He himself was not the light. He came only as a witness to the light. Okay, so John the Baptist came as a witness to who? And who's the light? Good, okay? So John the Baptist is coming as like a neon sign saying there is coming one, Jesus, 
who is going to be, it's going to be God in a bod. It's going to be God's zipped up flesh in the person of Jesus. How do I know that? Read with me John chapter 1 verse 14. Okay? The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Okay, go back to John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning was the? The word. And who is the word? Jesus. Okay, so John chapter 1, verse 14. The word, who? Jesus. Jesus became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Hey, your New Testament, remember when I said 66 books, 40 authors, three continents, three languages? The three languages. Your New Testament is written in a language called Greek. Hey, if you read your New Testament in the original Greek, the word for dwelling the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Do you know what that word is? It's tabernacle. Okay? Remember Exodus? Because the whole Bible can be summarized like this. Book of Exodus. God sets up a tent in the middle of his people and says, this is going to be called my tabernacle. And then John chapter 1, verse 14 says, The word, Jesus, God becomes flesh and tabernacles among his people. If you were reading John chapter 1 in the original language, if you were a first century Jew reading this, I bet you anything John wrote it like this. John's sitting, right, and he's writing, and he goes, <laughs> Check this out. The word, remember verse 1 became flesh and tabernacled. <laughs> that one's going to get him among his people. But we read it, right? We read it in, the, in, in English and go, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Cool, 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 cool. Right? We miss it. Why? Friends, we're not reading it in the Greek. We're not students necessarily of the entire Bible. And so when, when we read this verse in its proper context, we understand what God is trying to do. He's trying to communicate that God is with us. He desires to be with us. Hey, read with me in John chapter 1. We're going to pick back up with uh, Mr. John the Baptist, shaggy dog himself. Hey, verse 19. Now, this was John's testimony when the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confess freely, I am not the Messiah. And so they asked him, then who are you? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Finally, they said, who are you? Give us an answer to take back to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? John replied in the words of Isaiah the prophet, he said, I am the voice of the one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the paths of the Lord. I am the one, the voice of one calling in the wilderness. Make straight the paths of the Lord. Okay, if you have a pen, just write there in your Bible. Just put a little, just a little line and write Isaiah, or you can just write I-S, period. Right? Isaiah chapter 40, verse 3. Hey, again, Isaiah uh, Chapter 40, verse 3, John the Baptist, when asked who he is and what his purpose is, do you know what he does? He quotes the prophet Isaiah. He goes, you want to know who I am? Do you know what I'm doing? you know what I'm doing here? He said, let me, go, let me take you all the way back to the prophet Isaiah, who was looking forward, prophesying that there would come one who would tell the world about who? Jesus, the light. Okay, and so he's, he goes all the way back to Isaiah. So why can we do this? 
What is this book? Hey, what is this Bible? Why can we jump from Genesis to John back to Isaiah? Okay, I, I want to just real quick, okay, maybe you've looked at this book before. Maybe you've heard about this book before. Maybe you're very familiar with it. Maybe you're completely unfamiliar with it. But if we're not careful, we can take this book and we can go, oh, well, it's a, it's a really good self-help book. Right? We can open it up and there's parts of it that can just, it can kind of like just help us with parts of our life. Or we can look at this book and we can say, oh, maybe it's like the magic eight ball. Y'all seen Toy Story? Yeah. Right? Remember the magic eight ball? Right? Woody picks it up and he's like, what's going to happen tomorrow? And then he looks at it and he has this whole argument with the magic eight ball. You ever do that with your Bible? Right? Sometimes we treat it like this. We go like, all right, God, what do you got for me today? Let's see here. Mm. Then Eliphaz, the Terminite, replied, if someone ventures a word with you, will you be impatient? But who can keep us from speaking? Think how have you been instructed, many, how you have strengthened feeble hands. Mm. God, would you strengthen my feeble hands? Amen. The word of the Lord. Amen. Right? We just go like, maybe it's Magic 8 Ball. Maybe it's a self-help book. Or maybe we do this. We go, what? It's just an antiquated text. It's old. It's like thousands of years old. You ever played the game Telephone before? Right, where I like, I like start right here, and I like whisper, and I'm like, okay, there's an elephant. He has pink toenails. And then he whispers, and he's like, there's an elephant, something, toenails. And he's like, what about Joe's nails? And he's like, Joe went and bought nails at Home Depot. And then he's like, for Father's Day, I got a Home Depot gift card. He's like, for Father's Day, I got a Home Depot gift card. Oh, ooh, good, we got two in a row, okay? And then he's like, for Father's May, Father's Day is in May, and I bought a home? And he's like, the month of May, Joe bought a home. He's like, yeah. And so do you see, it? like, by the end, we go, the, the elephant's toenails are pink. In the month of May, Joe bought a home. And you're like, isn't this... This was written thousands of years ago. Like, how can we rely on this thing? Isn't it just like telephone? I mean, it's 2022. Like, why are we still relying on this ancient religious text? We go like, it's, it was written so long ago. How can we rely on this thing? Why are we listening to this guy stand up on stage and open up this old text? Why can we rely on this thing? Okay, and so, like, I just want to do a quick flyby in, in like, five, six minutes or less of just, I just want to give you an acronym, okay? FAST. So if you're taking notes, just write down F-A-S-T. And real fast, I'm going to walk through this thing to go, hey, here's, here's just a couple of quick things to, to think on, to chew on. If you're sitting here in this chapel and you go, I've, I have been following Jesus for a really long time, this is going to help you know and understand what this book is all about. And friends, if you're sitting here in this chapel and you go, I don't know about this God. I don't know about this book. I, I don't know about, like, I'm down to go to camp. I'm down to have fun, but, like, I don't know about all this stuff. Okay, here's where I'm going to challenge you. Okay, and, and, and do this for me, okay? Last night I made two commitments to you, right? Number one, we're going to talk about the Bible. Number two, I'm going to treat you like adults, okay? Because here's what I believe. I believe you can handle this. Hey, so if you're, if you're slouched in your chair right now, if you're kind of nodding off, do me a favor. Sit up, okay? Lean in, because the commitment I asked from you was what? That you, that you lean in, that you respond. 
And we're going to wrap this thing up right now, but here's, here's what I want from you. As we talk about this, I promise you, whether you're sitting in here as a follower of Jesus or you go, I don't really care about all this stuff. Hey, this conversation about is this text true or is this text not true changes everything about your life, whether you know it or not, whether you believe it or not. Okay, so here's four quick things of going, hey, let's wrestle with this text. Hey, the first one is this. It is final. F is for final. This book right here, it, there are no additional books that can be added on. There are not books that can be taken away. The Bible that we have, the 66 books, Genesis through Revelation, it is the final word of God. Hey, there are no new revelations. So if anyone ever tells you, right, God, uh, God spoke to me in a dream or there was this brand new revelation, here's what you can do. You can open up the text and if it aligns with what's already in the text, then you can actually know whether it's true or not. But if there is some brand new revelation that goes against what God's word says, you can know that it is false. I remember last night we talked about like I'm 30 years old. I, I, I turned 30 like three weeks ago. And if I said, but I feel 55, there's actually a way that you can know whether that's true or false. Like there is a such thing as, as absolute truth. The question is, what does it have to do with me? So this F is for final. It is the final word of God. Nothing can be added to it. Nothing can be taken from it. It can never mean today what it didn't mean when it was originally written. Does that make sense? Okay, F is for final. A is authoritative. Hey, this is the highest word on faith and morality. This book is authoritative. If the God of the universe exists and if he chose to reveal himself through his word, then it is authoritative. It is the ultimate authority on who God is and on what is true and on what faith means and on what is right and what is wrong. Okay, morality can be defined in this book. Hey, where are my fish owners? Fish people, where are you at? Okay, um, in the green rec shirt right here, what's your name? Somebody, how about Gigi? That's awesome. Is that your name or is that your nickname? That's your nickname? Okay, um, Gigi, what's your, uh, what's your fish's name? Um, Oscar. I thought you were gonna say Austin. I was gonna be like, that's disrespectful. Okay, <laughs> um, Oscar, what kind of fish is it? Um, a beta fish. A beta fish? What'd you pay for it? I'm just kidding. Um, we just bought Piper a goldfish and we named it Goldie. Very creative, okay? From the guy who named his monkey, Monkey, okay? Goldfish Goldie. Oscar, yeah. it's a beta fish. Yeah. Do you love Oscar? Um, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Um, Gigi, do you, ever, do you ever wish, do you, ever, uh, do you have other pets? Yeah. What other pets do you have? So two, cats. two cats, what are their names? Tootsie and Pearl, those are the greatest names ever. Okay, Oscar, Tootsie, and Pearl, that's amazing. Uh, do you ever wish you could talk to your pets? Okay, I wish this, I have, a, I have a dog named Bandit. I wish I could text him, like genuinely. I wish I could just be like, sup, bro, how's it going, right? Uh, like I wish he could send me like memes and like gifts and stuff, like that would just be incredible if I could text my dog. Okay, I want you to imagine just for a second, Gigi, that all of a sudden, Oscar has the ability, the magic ability to speak to you. And your betta fish swims to the top of its bowl tank, bowl tank, okay? You're a bougie fish owner, okay? 
So your betta fish swims to the top of the tank. It's like doing its thing. And it swims up and it's like, sup, Gigi? And you're like, oh my gosh, my fish is talking to me. And you're just like, okay, you're, you're not too freaked out. You go, okay, what's up? What's up, uh, what's up, Oscar? And he looks at you and goes, Gigi, I want you to release me from this tank. I see you walking around in the room. I also want to be in the room. And you're like, I don't know, Oscar. I know a thing or two about fishes. And you're not going to do so hot if I let you loose in this room. And, Os and, and Oscar looks at you and goes, GG? And you're like, yes, Oscar. Release me into the room. You go, okay, Oscar. Your wish is my command. And you scoop up Oscar and you just put him down in the room and you step back. What do we all know is gonna happen to Oscar? He's gonna die, okay? Oscar, because, because we know, right? As human beings, y'all are smart enough to know, right? You exist, you exist outside the realm of fishes, right? You know enough, you're an intelligent being, you can think, you can reason, and because you exist outside of this, you look at the fish and go, I actually know what is best for you and for your life and what's gonna lead to life and breath and oxygen in water, and I actually also know what's gonna lead to your death. Hey, you know that, right, Gigi? You know how to take care of your fish. We all know if you take that fish out and you go, I'll, I will give you what you want to do, and we release it, he's going to be in the room like, and then he's going to die, okay? Friends, if this is the authoritative word of God, guess what? If he existed before time began, if he himself is the author and creator of life, is it possible that when he gives his word, it has the authority to define what is right and what is wrong? It has the authority to define what leads to life and what leads to death. His word is final, his word is authoritative. In the same way that we know, I have the authority to, to declare what will give life to this fish and what will give death to this fish. I'm an intelligent being outside of this. If the God of the universe exists outside of space and time, he wrote a book to say, this is what will lead to the greatest form of life for you in my son. Hey, his word is final. His word is authoritative. S, hey, his word is sufficient. It is all we need to understand salvation. Hey, and we're going to dive a little bit more into this later in this week, but his word is sufficient. We don't need anything outside of this text. Genesis through Revelation, it's enough. It's sufficient to give us a full revelation of who God is and what his plan for salvation is. And then finally, his word is trustworthy. His word is trustworthy. The historical claims of the Bible, they can be verified. The historical claims of the Bible, they can be verified. Okay? Um, my man, what's your name? Casey, can you come up here real quick? Um, does anybody have a bandana? Can I borrow it real quick? Casey, are you afraid of the dark? Okay, good. You are? Like terrified? Okay. All right, Casey, can you step up on stage with me? Okay. You got a lot of friends out there. Okay, Casey. Uh, 
Do you like, uh, you ever done like an Easter egg hunt? Yeah? Are you good at finding Easter eggs? Yeah? Like really good? <laughs> no. I like it. You're humble. He's like, no, I'm average. I'm an average Easter egg finder. Okay. Um, here's, here's a crazy fact about your Bible. If your Bible is trustworthy, which means the historical data, the historical elements of the Bible, right? not just the teachings of Jesus, but like the actual things that happened in the Bible, the Exodus story, uh, historical claims that were made in the Old Testament or the New Testament. It, the crazy thing about a Bible being written about history is that you can actually verify historical facts. There's actually over 25,000 archaeological digs which verify the truth of Scripture. So the Bible goes, hey, this happened in this place. And archaeologists go, hmm. They go to that place, they dig it up, and they go, no way. Here's a tomb with the exact name and the exact date that the Bible claimed. Hey, but there's, these, there's this thing in, in your Bible, right? Remember when John the Baptist quotes who? Isaiah. Hey, Isaiah was a prophet. And so in your Old Testament, there were, there were all of these prophecies that they said coming down the road, like much later on, generations later, sometimes hundreds of years later. You doing okay, Casey? Okay, my man. Okay, like hundreds of years later, there's gonna be, like something is gonna happen and like just wait and see, like it's gonna happen. Like if, if I said like tonight at 1 a.m., there's gonna be a meteor shower and it's gonna like light up the entire sky. And then at 1 a.m., all of you were like, and then nothing happened, you'd come to me tomorrow and be like, what the heck, man? I, I was up at one, right? And I was like, you were up at one anyways, right? And you're like, true. Um, but it didn't happen, okay? That would, be, that would be a false prophecy. Does that make sense? Okay, so here's what's crazy. In your Old Testament, in your Old Testament, there were all of these prophecies, hundreds of prophecies about Jesus. They would say hundreds of years from now, there's gonna be this Jesus guy and this is where he's gonna be born and this is what he's gonna do and this is how he's gonna be betrayed and there were all of these details, prophecies, specific prophecies about Jesus, okay? Here's what's nuts. The probability of eight of those prophecies, okay? In the Old Testament, remember there's hundreds of them. The probability of just eight of those prophecies coming true in one human being would be like this, okay? It'd be like if I took Casey and I blindfolded him. Can you see? Can you see anything? You can't see anything? Okay, you really can't see anything, okay? Um, it'd be like this, okay? If I took Casey, and all of a sudden, I had like a, a magic time traveling thing, or not time traveling, uh, teletransportation, and I could just like, zap myself to the state of Texas, and I could be like, boom, okay? And we're in Texas all of a sudden. We're in the middle of Texas, and I filled the entire state of Texas two feet deep. Two feet deep, okay? I filled the entire state of Texas two feet deep with like 50 cent pieces, silver dollars, okay? Half, half 50 cent pieces. And I took one 50 cent piece, and I dropped Casey in the middle of the state of Texas, and then I'm like, Casey, you good? He says, yeah. And then I get in a helicopter and I fly over all over Texas and then I take one 50 cent piece and I get a Sharpie and I just color in one side of a 50 cent piece and then from the helicopter, I just go. 
and I just toss it into the middle into the middle of two feet deep, all of Texas. And then I go, Casey, I'm going to blindfold you. Ready? Find the one fifty cent piece with the, with the Sharpie on it. And Casey would go, um, okay. And Casey would wander all over Texas and wander all over Texas and pick up one fifty cent piece and then take his blindfold off. <laughs> I'm sorry and go, did I find it? The odds of him finding that are this number. It's one in 10 to the 17th power, which means one, it's a, it's a one with 17 zeros after it. That, that's the odds of him finding that silver dollar. Friends, that's the same odds that just eight of the Old Testament's prophecies would come true in one person. Do you know how many came true in the person of Jesus? 351. Like that's, that's bananas. Casey, you can take a seat, my man. Thank you. Thank you for your help. So here's where I want to land, okay? If scripture is final and if it's authoritative and if it's sufficient and if it's trustworthy, Okay, if these things are true, then God's word is reliable. It begs the question then, in your life, ninth grader, or sorry, sixth grader, seventh grader, eighth grade, in your life, is God's word relevant? Does it matter to you? Because if it's reliable and it's relevant, the question is, should we read it? Should this be something that in our life has an authority over us? And friends, I just, want to, I just want to end with this quote. This is a powerful quote by one of my favorite uh, theologians. His name is Charles Spurgeon. And he said this. He said, a Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to someone who isn't. A Bible that's falling apart usually belongs to somebody who isn't. If God's word is reliable, then it can be relevant in your life today in 2022 Friends, that, then we should be people that are constantly thumbing through this thing, that are reading it. Why? Because the entire Bible can be summed up like this. God with us. And if there's a God of the universe that preexisted time, and he desires to be with us, and he wrote us this letter to reveal himself to us, then friends, we gotta be people that dive into it. We gotta be people that open this book on a daily basis to go, I want to know more about this God who has chosen to reveal himself to us. Pray with me. God, thank you for tonight. God, thank you for your word that you have chosen to reveal yourself. God, thank you that you are a God that is not just a distant deliverer, that is not a God that just created a world, set it into motion and then stepped back. God, but that you desire to be with us, you desire to walk with us. God, may we not miss this week. May we lean in and take that divine appointment to meet with a God that loved us enough to take the first step to move first. God, may our response simply be an openness to what you would have for us. We love you. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen.